You are listening to Books Are My People, a podcast for book lovers with book news, book recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. This is episode 11. Hello, I'm Jennifer Calayaris, your podcast host, and for those of you that are new here, welcome. I am an author, and I've published two short fiction novels, most recently Strays, and I published a collection of short fiction titled Unruly Creatures in 2017. And I'm also a creative writing instructor at UCLA Extension's Writers Program. I'm recording a little bit earlier in the week than normal because I am going to be busy teaching the second half of a Writing the Young Adult novel course at UCLA this weekend, but you're still going to be listening to this uh, on Monday, November 18th or later. As I was editing the last podcast, number 10, which I recorded a few days after the fires in Los Angeles that had us displaced for a few days, I was so shocked at how tired I sounded. So I hope I sound like a peppier version of myself today. I've been feeling a little bit lonely in the podcast universe, so please feel free to email me with any feedback you might have, what you like about the podcast, what you don't like, and maybe you have a specific book recommendation for me, or maybe you want to get some help with what to read next. I am here for you, and you can reach me at booksaremypeople at gmail.com. So come say hi. I actually don't have a ton of news this week, so I think this podcast will be a little bit on the shorter side this week. So hopefully your commute is not too long. I have been watching the TV adaptation of Tom Perota's Mrs. Fletcher. Is anyone else watching that? The series is only a few episodes in, but I'm I'm digging it. I think it's staying pretty close to the book, which I always appreciate. In episode 10, I talked about how much I loved Mary Beth Keene's Fever, and I just found out that that book is also being developed into a TV series starring Elizabeth Moss as Typhoid Mary. So in the book, she's described as Vostig, and maybe it's a little bit of a missed opportunity to cast a more plus-size actor in the role, but I will forgive them because I'm just so excited that I will get to relive this book all over again. It is being developed by BBC America and Annapurna Television. And since I happen to be only full of TV bookish news today, The young adult novel One of Us is Lying is coming to Peacock, which is NBC Universal's upcoming streaming service. I don't know about you, but I am getting a little bit overwhelmed by all of these streaming options. But I really did enjoy One of Us is Lying, and without going into too much detail about the book, I would describe it as sort of the breakfast club meets a teenage suspense novel. On to the books. My first pick this week is Very Nice by Marcy Dermansky. I was thinking about this, and so much of our reading experience has to do with synchronicity and whether or not your mood is a good match for the book that you're reading. So my own particular experience reading Very Nice was one of those reading experiences where the book was just a perfect fit for the weekend when I read it. It was so funny and fast and entertaining. And then it just delved a little bit deeper into some issues as well. And I just loved the whole reading experience. 
So I found out that this is Dermansky's fourth book, but it's the first one that I've read. So now I'm going to have to go back and read her previous three. Uh, this book just encapsulates the feeling of summer. It starts on a college campus where 19-year-old Rachel Klein has just hooked up with her creative writing professor, which sounds cliche enough, but the way it unfolds is really, really funny. The title of the novel comes from their very first kiss, which Saeed, the professor, describes as very nice, which Rachel finds to be not the most descriptive way to talk about a first kiss, and she is expecting a little bit more from a creative writing professor. Zahid has published his first novel, and it's had some literary success, and now he finds he's a bit stuck on his sophomore effort. He has a big standard poodle named Princess, and Rachel ends up volunteering to take Princess with her back home to Connecticut for the summer, and Zahid has to go to Pakistan to visit his dying grandmother. So the story is told from multiple characters' perspectives, including Rachel's mother. Rachel's mother is very happy to have Princess at her home because her own dog is recently deceased, and she misses the companionship, and also her husband, Rachel's father, has recently left her for a much younger woman. If it's starting to feel a little bit like a soap opera, that's because it sort of is one, but in the best way possible. But wait, there's more. So Zahid comes home from Pakistan early and has subletted his apartment for the summer, so he has nowhere to go. So, as you can imagine, he decides he is going to go to Connecticut to stay with his dog princess and Rachel, his student, and, of course, Rachel's beautiful mother, who likes to swim in the nude. So, yes, definitely soap opera-esque, but it's totally funny and delves a bit deeper into issues of race and class in kind of surprising ways. You know that all of these characters are going to make all the wrong choices, and you're totally rooting for them to do so the entire time because it's just so entertaining. So if you're looking for something funny and a quick read, this book totally gets my seal of approval for a fast weekend read. And again, that is Very Nice by Marcy Dermansky. So my 10-year-old has been having a field day looking up the names of different and obscure fears. For example, we learned the other day that the fear of mailboxes is called Xingjiang phobia, and the fear of airbags is aerosacophobia. I kid you not, you can look this up yourself if you don't believe me. Uh, we come from a long line of fancy word fears. My dad suffers from kumpunophobia, which is a fear of buttons. Oh, I hope it's okay that I shared that with everyone. So I felt like it was time to confess my own fears, which are jafferophobia, which is the fear of bridges, and a fear of elevators, which sadly doesn't even have its own name. It just gets lumped in with agoraphobia, which of course is fear of enclosed spaces, which really isn't what I have because mine is very specific to elevators. I'm totally fine in a phone booth or a teeny tiny bathroom or a closet, but obviously I take a lot of elevators in an average week. Uh, but if there's a stair option, I will go for that instead. So all this to say that I was intrigued by the premise of my next pick, which is The Escape Room by Megan Golding. So let me tell you about it. Uh, there are 
four people who work for a high-profile Wall Street investor type of job, and they're told to meet at a newly renovated and still empty building to participate in some team bonding. So they all pile into the elevator and head up to a higher floor where this team bonding is presumably going to take place. And once they're in the elevator, they are told on this big screen in front of them that they're going to be participating in an escape room challenge. And they have exactly one hour to escape. So they think at first that they're en route to the escape room on a different floor, but then they soon realize that the elevator is the escape room. In between these chapters, we get to learn about Sarah Hall, a former employee who was not treated very well at work. And with each chapter that passes, we learn more and more about the four people in the elevator and what awful things they've done to one another and how these things also affected Sarah. They soon realize that this escape room isn't in fact a bonding activity, but more of a test of a lifetime. And of course, someone has brought a weapon into the elevator. There's a lot of tension and suspense in this novel, and it's not just due to my own hangups with elevators, but underneath all of the more thriller aspects of the novel are real issues of fair wages across the gender divide. And again, that is The Escape Room by Megan Golden. Moving now in a very different direction, I'm going to talk about the memoir Once More We Saw Stars by Jason Green. I think this came out maybe at the beginning of summer. Uh, This is one of the saddest books I've ever read. My oldest son is almost 14, and it has taken me this many years to be able to read or watch something sad that involves kids. So this is Jason's very personal story of loss. In 2015, he and his wife, Stacy, were living in Brooklyn, and they left their two-year-old daughter, Greta, with Stacy's mother, Susan, for a sleepover. Susan was living in Manhattan, and Greta was super excited for the sleepover, and Jason and Stacy were exhausted from having a two-year-old and just looking for a night off. They were looking forward to a much-needed break. The next morning, Greta and her grandmother Susan were taking a walk, and they sat down at a bench on the street in front of a retirement home, and in just the most freak accident, A brick fell from the eighth floor, hitting Greta in the head and Susan in the leg. They were both rushed to the hospital where Susan recovered, but two-year-old Greta died. It gets a bit hard to talk about the structure of a book when it's someone's story this tragic. Uh, Greta's father, Jason, was an editor at Pitchfork, which was a digital music magazine, And he takes us right back to the moment when he got the call and then their experience at the hospital and learning the news about their daughter and just reliving that hell each time they had to share the news with someone else. When they finally return home, they're just surrounded by everything. Greta, her toys, her high chair, everything. And her memory is just everywhere for them. The book looks at how Jason's marriage to Stacy weathered the storm, and uh, it also looks at how their relationship with Stacy's mother went through an obvious period of strain. Um, they join a support group 
And um, you also get to see a lot of Jason's rage as he works through what happened. The book is absolutely heartbreaking, but it's also so beautifully written, and it does so much service to Greta's memory. Um, I felt very privileged as a reader to go on this journey with the Green family. The book is raw and real, and it will definitely make you cry, but it's never overly saccharine. So if it sounds like you are able to get through a book about the subject matter, then read Once More, We Saw Stars by Jason Green. Okay, I got to take a breather after that one. It's hard to get through. Next up is The Grammarians by Kathleen Shine. And this is a work of fiction on the shorter side. It's a book about identical twins, Daphne and Laurel. They are definitely prodigies from a very early age when they're still babies. And before they can even talk, they communicate with one another through a secret language that sounds just like goobledy-goop to everyone else, but they're actually using big vocabulary words to one another. You see how they are both obsessed with language and with words from early on. And as babies, they just light up when they hear interesting words. And you could see them kind of holding on to these words forever once they hear a word that they like. And they also have a particular affinity for the My Fair Lady soundtrack, which is a lot of songs about words and language. We see Daphne and Laurel come of age. Language is always at the forefront of their lives. One becomes a teacher and another a copy editor, and they use language to become closer to one another, but they can also use language as a weapon that they can wield to hurt one another. Um, There's also a parent trap moment where they decide to switch places and try out one another's jobs because no one would know the difference since they're identical twins. And I won't spoil things and tell you where they end up with their love of language, but it's a delightful read and it would make a great gift for a reader friend who also loves language. There's a lot of puns throughout and each chapter begins with a specific word and its definition. And then we see as the chapter unfolds how that specific word relates to the chapter that we're reading. I think that this book bundled maybe with a copy of The Professor and the Madman would be a perfect holiday gift for someone who loves words. This is Shine's 11th novel. So again, it looks like I have a lot of backlist to read. That's The Grammarians by Kathleen Shine. So I realized I haven't talked about a young adult novel in a few weeks, so I am going to do that now in honor of the course I'm teaching this weekend. So this is a book that is near and dear to my heart because A, it's a wonderful book, but B, I use it to teach character in my writing the young adult novel course. So I've read it many, many, many times and I still love it. So I feel like that says a lot. It is called I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. This is another book about twins, Um, and this story is told in alternating perspectives from the twins' point of view. So there's Noah when he's 13. He is an artist, and he is quite shy and lives a lot of his life in his imagination. In this first chapter, we learn that while both children like art, their mother reveals that she really thinks Noah is the more talented of her two kids. And then in the second chapter, it's three years later, so they're 16, and we're in his sister, twin sister's 
Jude's perspective. And it turns out she's the one who's attending the art school that her brother was supposed to be at. So we learn that something has happened in the space between those three years to rip their family apart. Um, The writing is so beautiful, and I love teaching this book to show how different and distinct two voices are. Um, We get a lot of interiority, we get Noah's passion toward art, we get a lot of Jude's broodiness, and the back and forth in time can be really tricky to pull off as a writer, so I really admired how Jandy Nelson pulls it off here. There are a lot of pieces of the narrative that come together in surprising ways by the end. You're sort of waiting for everything to connect. And this is the kind of young adult novel that you can actually read alongside your child because it's so engaging and well-written. I think it would make a great pick for a teen who appreciates art or who is artistic themselves. And again, that is I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. And that's it for this week. Uh, Up next, I am reading Frankenstein by Jeanette Winterson. And as always, you can email me at booksaremypeople at gmail.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Jennifer Caloyeris. That's J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-C-A-L-O-Y-E-R-A-S. I'll be back on December 2nd, and until then, I hope you enjoy a wonderfully bookish week. 